everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of Wedding Photographers Unite. My name is Andy Buscemi. And my name is Neil Urban. And we are a bi-monthly wedding photography podcast, a wedding photography podcast for wedding photographers. By wedding photographers. And Neil, how's it going? It's going good. How are you, Andy? I'm doing very good. Uh, you know, we're actually going to start today uh, just by kind of going a little bit in reverse order. That said, uh, we're actually going to get started with an email that we received um, from Steve. And Steve wrote in to info at weddingphotographersunite.com just like you can. And he wrote to us and said, hey, dear Andy and Neil, as a green, as a new not as environmentally stable, uh, not environmentally sustainable wedding photographer, get that, um, <laughs> I'm still refining my terms of my contract. Um, I'm thinking of including a statement that says something along the lines of the client cannot withhold payment because they don't like the pictures. Right now, I'm only taking on word of mouth clients, which is probably a good idea in the beginning, right? And he says, um, so the likelihood of any of them trying to scam me is quite low. But should I be careful and include a more elegantly phrased version of this statement? Thank you. And that's from Steve. Steve, thanks for writing in. Uh, yeah, Steve, Neil. I like your logo. By yeah, the way, I yeah, got I got throw that in there. I, I checked his website out, and I gotta say, I got, I like his logo. It's it's very clean. But uh, but anyways, <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, about about that. Um, let me see. I'm kind of I'm kind of questioning what he's asking here because is he giving delivering the images before he's receiving payment? It sounds uh, like which, that's which, what's happening. It sounds yeah. it sounds like that's what he's doing now. Industry standard is that you get paid and then you deliver. Um, because you don't want to get screwed in the long run. Mm -hmm. uh, now, this is what I used to do, and um, some people did take advantage of of that offer that I was doing at the time, and I kind of got – I didn't really get screwed over. I always got my payment, but it did take me a while to get that from them because mm -hmm. they take their checks that they get there from their guests, and they just go on their honeymoon, and they spend it all, or they put it towards some big – screen tv for their home um and they just kind of forget about me and the, the whole event is done and they really they're not as excited about the images anymore so i i uh i started doing the industry standard and started collecting the payments before the wedding um so you really don't have to if, if you do that you really don't have to worry about uh, clients withholding a payment uh, because if they do, then you just don't show up to their wedding. But that's a whole different uh, episode as to if if something like that were to happen. Um, I don't know, but what, what do you what do you think, Andy? Yeah, that would be my response as well. Is that uh, I I've always had it as a policy that payment is due 21 days prior to shooting the wedding, um, and it's specifically for that uh, just to not run into those issues. I've never once had a problem getting paid. Uh, simply because uh, it's, it's due 21 days prior. And also because here's the other little thing in there. I feel like I've never had a problem getting paid is because I also do credit cards. And um, what I do is I start invoicing a few months prior to that 21 days that it's, du that it's due. So these are bigger payments. You know, it ends up being, mm -hmm. you know, quite a bit of money, you know, to, for, to hire us to shoot these weddings. And so what I end up doing is, you know, about five months prior to the wedding, I start invoicing then. 
and and every at the end of every month um i just send out my invoices electronically and um and then uh and then they're you know constantly reminded that this bill is due and they have the, you know there's a link right there where they can just pay it with a card if they want to do that and um and then i've i've just never had a problem doing it that way because i've always um, you know, ha- expected the payment to be, do- you know, paid ahead of time. And, you know, just mm-hmm. like a vendor, just like a venue would accept, um, would expect to be, um, you know, paid in full prior to the event. It's the same thing for us as far as I'm concerned. You know, we're, you know, we've been in business for a while, you, both you and I and, you know, and, mm-hmm. and people that, you know, they should have the same expectations or we should have the same expectations for our business as any other business would. I don't want to be hunting people down following the wedding uh, for, you know, for payment, it should, it should be due, you know, exactly. We're, uh, we're wedding photographers, not bill collectors. And I don't want to be that guy. Yeah. And you know, the other thing, the only time, so whenever it's a full day wedding, I always have payment due 21 days prior, but the only time where I will have payment due afterwards is on a certain kind of shoot where, for example, if it's like four hours of wedding coverage, because when it's lower than that, like, I end up having, I go into an hourly rate for those events. Um, and, but the thing is, is those hourly events, we know how they, whether it's event shooting or it's a small wedding elopement kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. We, we know that very often people will say that it's a two hour event and then it turns into five, for example, or six, yes. right? So <laughs> the reason that I, <laughs> that I don't collect the payment ahead of time for that is, you know, I'll do like half, for example, you know, like the payment due is half of the anticipated time or whatever, but then I will yeah. invoice the balance immediately following the wedding and they won't see an image until I get that final payment because um, I want to, that's in, the, in that case, I want to make sure that I'm charging for my time. And Correct. matter of fact, my hourly rate, the way that I have that set up is so that if, you know, if my hourly rate is actually more expensive, if you go into full day coverage, than it would be if you just decided on a full day coverage package. So this mm-hmm. way, um, if it's hourly, 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 um, then by that time, uh, you know, there's just, um, it, it doesn't make sense to do full day coverage unless you're sincerely planning on just a few hours of coverage, basically, you know? Yeah. yeah. So, um, that's, that would be, you know, my suggestion. And I know that's kind of a roundabout way for answering your question, Steve, but I think that, you know, putting a statement in something like you can't pay if, if you don't like the pictures, I don't think matters, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> like, like at the end of the day, you're that client is still liable to pay you and legally obligated to pay you if you delivered your end of that contract regardless of whether you have that statement in there or not um, mm-hmm. i would just suggest you from a business standpoint you consider getting payment received ahead of time rather than having to deal with those situations um, as they come up following a shoot or following a, a wedding so i guess yeah. that's my thought on that uh yeah and uh if if you don't like the uh the wording of your contract it it um i know you're green at in photography but ask ask if you don't have a lawyer try and get a lawyer um ask around your friends who are photographers who they use as as a lawyer or ask around to uh, other business small business owners who they use as a lawyer and they'll put in better wording um than than you can create um and also steve as as a little uh, piece of advice. Now remember that people are hiring you for your work, current work. So if you deliver a product, that's your work. 
that or that's in your portfolio, then that's what they're hiring you for. Um, so just try and deliver your current work. Don't try new stuff while you're working a wedding. If you're trying a, like a new style, try it during like an engagement shoot or a personal shoot, personal project. So just try and deliver work that's on your portfolio. And I'm sure your clients will love their images. And speaking of contracts and legal issues, uh, leading into our next topic here, which I think <laughs> yeah. most of our listeners probably know about. It's probably hey, that was the a biggest... good segue. Right oh, there. Thank you. Uh, we're we're getting there. This is episode nineteen. Yeah. By episode twenty, we'll be you know those things. segues <laughs> get better every episode. And by the way, that's still a terrible segue. But you know, it, it was at least an attempt at it. So give me that for right. the love of God. Right. right? So okay. Anyway, uh, the this uh, wedding photo gate. DJ versus photographer thing. Oh my god! I, most of our listeners, really? you know, if you're in this industry, I'm. I can't imagine that you haven't heard the story. But I guess we'll still give you the basics of it anyway. Uh, Neil, do you want to give people the basics of the of what happened here? What would you? Uh, like, what is going on in this industry? This is this is crazy to me. Okay. Anyways, um, a photographer was was photographing a wedding. All of a sudden, she got to the reception and she ran into the DJ. And the DJ had this full equipment of photography gear, and he was taking pictures. And I guess the communication wasn't all that great. I mean, I tried to read both sides of the story, and I, I tried to read everything about this, and. For, the 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 communication just wasn't there um the dj he was just wanting to, to take pictures and the photographer she had a job to do so she ended up taking pictures so they both took pictures and then after the wedding the dj ended up loading 230 images to the social media um let all the guests and everybody tag themselves so it made it look as if he was the hired photographer um now the hired photographer she had an issue with this and she went, she contacted the clients while they were on their honeymoon. And mm. then it just went all downhill from there. Um, I don't know if you want to kind of like fill in of things that I missed, but it's, it's been this whole controversy, this whole, and this DJ guy, I guess he went to Forbes magazine and he only got like his side of the story out in Forbes magazine. Oh, I and didn't this realize proper, that part. Oh yeah. It's, it's. Well, I don't agree with Forbes on this one because Forbes kind of published this whole article without getting the photographer's take on it. So it was all – it almost seems like this DJ guy, he almost had like a contact at Forbes and they did this whole story on his side of the story. Um, and it's kind of posted on his page and it seems like he's kind of he's kind of proud of what's going on because it's more – it's more – It's the right uh, to take photos from his perspective. He, yeah, he's basically yeah. saying he wants the right to take, you know, or I think I saw something where he said the right to show love or something like that or capture love or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, so here's now, his the DJ company. He does. He does do video. He does do photography. But it seems like he's the owner of the company. He was there just hired to be a DJ, but he's taking photographs probably to better his portfolio, which most of them do, just like the guests do. Um yeah. yeah. So, okay. So th here's the thing. A lot of us f photographers, very often in our contract, we have something like exclusive rights to be the, the primary photographer at the wedding. And so the, the point from, you know, from the photographer standpoint, and especially, you know, the problem is, is that in a, in, 
in the past, this was an easier thing to enforce, right? Because there was a lot of money involved in taking using film, and no, not everybody had a digital camera, DSLR, the way that we do now. Uh, but the point is, is that you know, in a lot of our contracts, we have these these statements in there that essentially say that we're the exclusive photographer. Other people can't, um, you know, take photos at the event. Essentially, right? That's what it says. How and but the and and this for this DJ's point, which to some extent, you know, and I'm a photographer, and I I can almost like I can see both sides of the story, you know, from from mm-hmm. both perspectives. I hate to say it, and I know a lot of photographers that are listening to this right my, right now might you know have very strongly feel like nobody else should be allowed to take, to take photos you know for me if this was happening at the wedding you know as far as communication goes it always comes down to communication and how you interact with people and talk with people right if this was happening at a wedding for me and i saw this dj taking photos at the reception when i was taking photos first of all for the reception i don't really care you, you know what i mean like like if mm-hmm. it was just the reception whatever you know right. I, I the main thing for me is the only time that i'm really going to step step up and say something is if it's the time when i'm working with the bride and groom or the wedding party and i'm doing my shots that i'm setting up and i'm you know i have my way of doing and if somebody's shooting over my shoulder and essentially stealing my looks you know, mm-hmm. and that, at that point, I'm going to speak up and I'm going to say, hey, you know, I'm the exclusive photographer for this event. And unfortunately, I'm, I'm not I can't continue unless and unless, uh, you know, unless uh, you, I see, I would never I've never had to say that. You know, I guess that's the thing. That's what it comes down to. Well, I've never had that situation where it's actually coming up. Yeah. A lot would have to happen. You're absolutely right, because normally you're going to have that conversation on the side with this person and essentially mm-hmm. basically say like, hey, just so you know, blah, blah, blah. When I'm shooting, you can shoot any other time, but during this time is when I have a problem. I get it. I get it from the photographer's perspective, especially when, you know, the, when these vendor photographers essentially get their images out ahead of us because they don't, they don't put the time that we put into it, you know, Correct. and it, yep. it, and they don't have as many weddings as we have, they have as many images to deal with. And it doesn't look good for us when these other people are getting these photos out ahead of our putting them out there. But you know, really for me, it's just like, whatever, I, you know, I would never, <laughs> I would never go after it legally like this photographer did. I, I totally understand why people would. And maybe there's something mm-hmm. that I'm missing in the story that I, I didn't know that there was some tension on the day of the actual job, you know, for, yeah, they, they, they yeah. came up about there. And so that's what kind of led into the, everything that happened afterwards. But I feel like if you can just talk about it then and and let things slide and go like uh, like on both parts like because the chances of me running into this dj again is going to be hopefully slim to none even the people that we do work with i guess it's maybe if this dj was like somebody in our local markets that was like constantly doing this and it was a constant issue at every wedding then something would have to happen and maybe that's what's going on i don't know um i don't know the full details behind that but that's just my overall thought on it I, i you know i feel like Unless it's like a sincere problem at the wedding, I just let a lot of that stuff go. Um, mm. You know, unless it's at that time that I was mentioning where it's like these are my shots that I'm really kind of setting up and doing the, the legwork on. Because most of the time when these when these people take these shots at the reception, for example, they're never going to look as good as what we're doing. You, you know, right? They'll they'll um, probably have a pop up flash, or as this guy, I mean, if he does his he, if he does photography on the side, you know, he, he probably did have a flash on top of like a speed light on top of his camera, but he probably didn't have any off camera 
uh, flashes. I mean, I have multiple set up all over the room. So I know no matter who takes images during the reception, I know mine are going to look very unique compared to everybody else's. Mm -hmm. So therefore, I'm not really concerned if, if anybody else is shooting. I just don't want them to get in my way or step in front of me, uh, which has happened a lot. But you, you just move on. I do have a job to do. This DJ probably has a job to do too. And let's and if if someone's just being a pain in the butt, I'll just pull them aside and be like, "Hey, man, what's what's going on here? What 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 is all this stuff?" I'll, I'll kind of act as if like I'm just kind of like joking around with him and just seeing what he is. And then I'll I'll, I'll be like, you know, what? if you ever need any images for promotion, just contact me. I'll I'll hook you up with some. I try and play it really cool and. Um, that, that's that's pretty much how I go about it. I would never, I mean, like I said, if for me to go up to a client, especially on the day of, it would really have to be serious and mm -hmm. drastic. Mm -hmm. It's where something I can't just get around. And um, but and to, and to contact the bride and groom on their honeymoon, I mean, I just don't for, ever foresee myself yeah. doing that. Even if it is uh, a huge issue, it's like just let them have their honeymoon first, and then. You yeah, know, like, to, to like I don't know if this photographer was kind of upset because this this DJ was getting all the uh, all the attention for the photos that he shot. I mean, I, I don't know. See, but there's for, two sides of the story here. Yeah, but, but that see that part of it though, if it really is just because other people are getting likes on photos from the wedding, a wedding that you shot, I just feel like just let it go. Like let yeah. it go. Like wait until you put yours up. Yeah, exactly. Like your photos mm -hmm. are going to be better anyway when you post them. That's it's not going to you know, cost you a future work, you know, I, I, in my mind, it doesn't, you know, for me, I, you know, the weddings that I get are because I've shot weddings for people and people, I connected with people on a human level. Right. Right. And mm -hmm. that's how we get our work. It's not because, you know, some, somebody else posted photos from the wedding. I, th that's just me. I, I understand that there's, there's especially a totally different perspective. If you want to get very legal and very hard about it and very, you know, but I feel like so many people take that route, right, of of getting very legal and hard and crazy about things. And when it you... seems to be happening a lot here now, yeah, uh, especially like right about now, everybody seems to be very tense and stressed. Uh, but don't worry, guys, the uh, light at the end of the tunnel's near, so don't worry, it's all going to end soon. So let's stop suing each other and <laughs> and get get along. And next year's a whole new year. And remember, if Okay, I remember I shot a wedding and a DJ had issues with videographers. And he was just making this whole ordeal over the videographers, their equipment being in his way of his speakers and his lighting. And, you know, the videographers, they kindly kind of like moved their stuff off to the side for him. And he was just being like a, he always, like throughout the night, he just had these like little comments about these video guys. And I, I kind of went up to the DJ. I'm like, you know, aren't you worried about not getting referrals? I mean, vi photographers and videographers are usually hired before the DJ. I'm like, you kind of remember that these guys can refer you in the future. Um, so you might want to just be friendly to everybody. Try and try. I mean, we all got to we're all we all have a job to do. So just try and be friends with everybody. And if I if I have if if I ever come across someone like, who's really not professional, and I'm working at like, I, you know, I do have a lot of managers uh, who are who work um, at venues. And if, if I go up to one of these managers and be like, OK, who is this guy? You know, 
make sure he's not on your referral list. This is what he does. This is what I had an issue with. Have you ever experienced other, any other issues with this guy? And then just see where that conversation goes. Um, that, that, that's one way to kind of deal with, you know, DJs and people who you don't like to work with, who are unprofessional, who are new and, uh, just talk to talk to wedding planners, talk to managers, and just you know, just you know, try and be professional. And along the lines of being professional, so much of what it has to do with is it's like connecting with people on a human level. The more that you can connect with people on a human level and just love one another, y'all. Okay, <laughs> you know, like go back to that one episode <laughs> we did on loving yourself or whatever. You know, like that part. Like the more that you can do that and respect the people that you're working with and try and have human conversations and you know always try to be nice to people as best you can i feel like you're going to win in the end if you keep if you keep that up rather than um trying to you know be upset at every little thing that happens and then want to sue somebody over it you know yeah um yeah. You, you can you can choose to live your life in a happy way or you can choose to live your life in an angry way that wants to sue people that 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 kind of is you know part of what goes into that but i know that there's there's sometimes things that can cross lines and then you, you know, that changes that story. I understand that. But I think mm -hmm. generally speaking, we would have less issues if more of us could think along those lines to begin with. Yeah. Um, now, can, now, can you imagine this photographer working with this DJ like next week? Oh, my God. <laughs> what a nightmare. I mean, yeah. hey, it happens. You know, it happens. Yep. So, yeah, be nice, everybody. Exactly. Um <laughs> Okay, so and then this next moving on to the next uh, lawsuit. <laughs> the, the next non-contracted wedding photographer, vet, next non-contracted vendor photographer shooting weddings. Uh, this is a story that you posted. I think this was you know Petapixel played off of that story. Um, how yeah. we um, survived a vendor photographer lawsuit and won big six figures. <laughs> So now, what's, now what's I, the deal with this? What does yeah, it do with yeah, this? Yeah, we we'll put the link in the show notes so that everybody can read it because this wasn't as popular as the other one. But um a photographer who shoots photography for uh the flowers for venues, I guess this photographer showed up. He ended up shooting the wedding without the clients even knowing about it. I don't even know if the wedding photographer herself knew that this person was there taking pictures. I'm I can I can't imagine this photographer not knowing it, but maybe she did and didn't really worry too much about it. But anyways, this, I guess this, uh, this wedding event was a, uh, it was a private, more of a private intimate event. And I guess the clients really didn't want the images to be shown online. And this photographer who was there taking pictures, um, ended up posting the wedding online and mm, no model uh, release huh that's what it comes yeah no to. no model release yep. no nothing and no exclusive you know no exclusivity no nothing and the, the both the wedding photographer and the clients just had no idea who this person was and um so there ended up being a lawsuit against the wedding photographer because i guess the wedding photographer had exclusivity in the contract but this person who's who wasn't even a hired photographer hired ended up suing this photographer saying that uh the exclusivity clause was too strict uh didn't allow him to uh to shoot pictures at the wedding because i guess he was there to shoot i don't know the flowers but ended up shooting so much more and then they countersued and then they ended up winning a six-figure lawsuit 
wow, <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> uh, I've actually. Does that even make sense? I mean, it doesn't make sense, but that's what happened. Because because this person wasn't even on contract to shoot the wedding, and they ended up posting pictures online, and these people didn't want their pictures online, and it's it's just a little bit crazy to me. Yeah, and I think the the biggest thing is is you know when you talk about the legal aspect is that aspect of not having a model release, right? So right, um, you don't technically. And this actually gets a little confusing for me, too, because when we post images, even as the hired photographer for the event, we really only have model releases from our couple, right? I mean, we don't have mm -hmm. model releases from, like, guests at the reception or even parents or anything like that. It kind of gets, gets well, a little I, murky well, I there. Do. Yeah, I do have it in my contract. I mean, just in case there are questions, um, everybody, all, all the guests, everybody in the bridal party, everybody is kind of under this model release. Uh, everything kind of like at the event is under this model release. I kind of have it in there just in case there's anything in question. Um, hmm. But yeah, I mean, it, it's it's kind of only for those people who sign the contract. Right. That's what I mean. Like that aspect of, I think in order for it legally to hold true as being a model release, I think we need, you actually need separate signatures from each person that, you, that you're showing. I think, yes. I think as like a general umbrella, you can kind of get away with, with that, but yeah, that's, but that's it, the only reason why I put it in there. Yep. Yep. So anyway, legal <laughs> stuff, be nice to, to each other. I think it's the same thing that it comes down to for all that stuff. It's like, but that is pretty, yeah. pretty crazy. That So link to link mm -hmm. in the show notes to that. Um, the uh, the other just the other piece of news that we wanted to talk about today. This might be a, a shorter episode, but uh, the other mm -hmm. piece of news that we want to talk about. This just happened uh, earlier today. We're recording on Wednesday here, and Apple released uh, a new product today that uh, that is actually kind of exciting, man. Because uh, essentially, it's the new iPad Pro, and what's cool about it is, especially for photographers, and something that we should consider is that. Uh, really, when we talk about editing our photos and, you know, many of us, if you're not using a Wacom tablet, you should be, or yeah. maybe you want to consider this thing, you know? Um, but what's Well, uh, well I want to, <laughs> I don't use a, a tablet. I, oh. do, I do not. Okay. Uh, well, and a lot, a lot of people laugh at me, um, but I, I know I'm not the only one. I, I just use the, the touchpad on my MacBook Pro. Well, let I me let me continue the laughter at you, Neil, because oh, please because... do, please do. <laughs> <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Let me actually just actually before we even finish the rest of this idea with this new Apple iPad Pro, just to talk a little bit about the the Wacom tablets there, because um, for many of our listeners, first of all, actually, I'm curious, have you tried one for more than a few weeks ever yourself? No, no? I haven't. No, and no, so, I have not. Okay, and that's that's the thing. I think like. It's the same kind of thing as like with an Apple computer. For, like a lot of like of our PC friends, right, will say, "Oh, I can do anything that you can do on your Mac on my PC." And yes, mm -hmm. that's totally true. But have you used an Apple computer for like more than three months? And you know, once if if the answer to that question is no, you don't actually know what you're missing, right? Because it just things just work better. You're not system. You don't have to constantly maintain. Um, you know, uh, antivirus software and constantly mm -hmm. close apps and make sure that things are going. I know things are way better on Windows now than they used to be, especially with Windows 10 and all that. 
but still um it's the same kind of idea here um if you haven't used a wacom tablet for a few for like a few weeks to like get in the groove of it i can almost guarantee that um that you will that you will never go back to ever editing photos without it especially if you do detailed retouching work because um like i do so yeah exactly like you do like i know that you do a ton of it which which is like why that it's like mind-blowing to me that you don't i didn't i didn't know that you did so because the thing is is like literally so there's definitely an adjustment period with these wacom tablets okay where Mm -hmm. The first like week, it's tough because like we're used to like editing the way that you're used to if you're using the touchpad or whatever else you're doing. Like, like, like we're used to doing that, and we have a workflow, and we don't have time to learn new things as we go, right? But if you can start using that pen, um, it's it's a rough go at first, but then you see the intricacies of like being able to actually like get in there and like you like a pen like doing these brush strokes and um cloning things out and selecting things and working way faster than you would ever be able to do so much to the point that if i try and go back to edit photos now using my touchpad it's literally Mm -hmm. and i'm not even joking this is not an exaggeration at all this is literally the truth it's like the difference between using a pencil to write and using a rock to write like like using using a rock to like write letters like you would only be able to write like probably big letters or whatever you know or using like a mouse or whatever it's the same thing with like a pencil because these little these you can use the wacom pen you can get in there you can do these little strokes and you can do like like really just get in there and do all these things and work and it ends up being way faster there's an adjustment okay then period i just press a couple to buttons through. to uh to you know <laughs> decrease the brush size and that's it yeah dec- yeah exactly. <laughs> but anyways but no i mean the, one of the reasons why i'm stay i'm sticking to the touchpad for my macbook pro is because i'm always on the go mm-hmm. no matter where i go i'm always editing images i mean yeah. you name it I, I mean i just pick up my computer and i go i go here i go there i go there destination wedding i go i i just i just want to bring a, a computer and that's it that's all i want mm-hmm. um and, and then this and that's pretty much the only reason because if i were to go to the the Wacom tablet, then I'm always going to have to worry about bringing that with me. And if, even if I don't bring it with me, then like you said, you'll probably never want to go back. And if I'm on destination somewhere, I'm like, okay, where's where's my where's my pen? Where's my Wacom tablet? Um, I'm always going to kind of look for it. I can't go back, so I just kind of want to stick with what I'm used to. Um, but I don't know this since I do like the the touchpad for app for the for the my MacBook Pro. This kind of, I mean, with this whole pencil, I do like how a- Apple products always kind of work, and that's not a slam against any uh, anything out there. Uh, so this kind of intrigues me that I might, uh, I don't know, I might try this out. So a uh, couple things, just in terms of pr- uh, productivity, because I actually know exactly what you're saying with that, because I mm-hmm. actually don't like to be locked down editing with my Wacom tablet when I'm when I'm doing things. So basically, the way that it works for me like on a full wedding for example is Mm -hmm. i actually do do my basic edits um just in lightroom just on my laptop so i can go through and i can do my selects i can edit in okay i'll edit the full wedding um uh just just in lightroom just on my laptop but it's when Mm -hmm. i do like my 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 smaller edits or the you know my creative edits when i do those Mm -hmm. that's when i lock myself down at the desk and I get out my get out the Wacom tablet. Those those images I can't do without the Wacom, you know. Um, but but everything else from a productivity standpoint. So like, say that you did have a destination wedding, you could still do everything. You could still cruise through everything. It's just the the creative edits that 
um, that you lose out on, you know, with the productivity, but it's actually not that bad because even for me, like if I'm on a plane, I can still edit, you know, um, everything. It's just, I just wait until I get back to do the, to do the creatives or, or I just go back and like using a rock, (laughs) you know, I try (laughs) to do it anyway and get really upset the whole time, you know? So, right. And uh, I don't want to, um, when I'm sitting on a plane, I have these really amazing images that I'm, I can't wait uh, a couple hours to get to. So (laughs) while I'm on a plane, I just, I just get right into it. Um, but yeah. (laughs) So, so with the, so here's, as far as this new iPad pro goes uh, to our listeners, Mm -hmm. we kind of glossed over it and we gave you the basics, but basically this iPad pro is essentially that Wacom tablet, except there's a beautiful screen on it. Um, and, and there always has been like Cintiq has had a higher end version that you could do this, but like, it's totally true that like, why would we, um, you know, edit on our screens the way that we do when we can actually, if we're going to use that Wacom pen anyway, although you do get super used to knowing how it's going to work on the screen, you, you know, by just looking at the screen as you're using the pen, um, why not just like edit directly on the image itself on the actual screen itself? So that's right. basically what Apple is doing with this iPad Pro is basically um, doing the Apple version, you know, essentially of these Cintiq pads that have that have been able to do this for the past few years that a lot of like higher end, you know, graphic artists or photographers, you know, have been using for years. Uh, but now mm-hmm. that it's becoming, you know, an Apple product that uh, that for all of us Apple fans, you know, um, can know and love and Apple will probably, you know, you know, have it done in its Apple way. That's a very beautiful, streamlined, incredible experience and everything. Um, and you know, I watched a little bit of the keynote and all that today. It does mm-hmm. look very intriguing. Anyway, the 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 huge thing about it that I, that actually I have been you know kind of waiting for outside of the the Cintiqs is that you know it has that ability that it's pressure sensitive. The pencil, this Apple pencil, is pressure sensitive on the iPad Pro, and not only is it pressure sensitive. But but based on the angle that you're turning the pen, it will actually um, pick up on the angle that you're turning the pen, oh, so you can, wow. so you can really? get different brush strokes and uh, you know um, different looks in there. So as you're turning the pen, uh, you know it picks up on all of that, which is actually very impressive because I don't know. I think the the Cintiqs are pressure sensitive, but I don't think that they've had this extra ability to have that. You know, understand the the level that it's turned at and have that reported back to the actual screen so that that you know is um mm-hmm. showing back as you're as you're drawing or editing or whatever you're doing so i think yeah. it's super interesting for photographer photographers in particular especially photographers that have seen the light with these wacom tablets um, <laughs> um for us it's i think it's very intriguing and uh, i definitely will be checking it out um and um who knows well maybe that'll that'll be something to edit on but then the second you get into that, I wonder how they're going to address going back to our color episode with Scott Sutherland, how you oh, know, yeah. if they're going to address, you know, color profiling. And then the other thing, too, is I saw that like the actual pixel dimensions are something just mm-hmm. over 2000 pixels. So you're not getting that full huge retina screen pixel size on this oh, thing. Okay. Um, but, but that's enough that it doesn't really matter. You know, like even if, you're, if your camera shoots at, you know, 4000 pixels wide, for example, um, you know, we're still you know most of us aren't editing on on 4k screens or bigger than that anyway right now so it's not that's kind of a smaller point you know overall but um but it's very interesting it's an interesting release for uh you know photographers in particular that are that are using the wacom tablets so we'll see what happens out of that that could um, there might be a revolution i mean yeah from this keynote i i was just expecting a new iphone new ipad and that's it but i mean for them to actually uh go to the extra level is to where 
us pros, us photographers, um, designers can actually use this stuff as a tool. I, I was kind of impressed with, with how they're addressing some of the stuff that we can actually use. Um, but yeah, good stuff, man. Yeah. yeah so we at least got that. I, I was the one thing that I was really hoping for though, was like, was I'm, I just, we were talking about our MacBook pros a few episodes ago and like, and I'm still rocking this 2011 MacBook pro and I'm waiting for the next release of a MacBook pro so I can up update. Um, yeah, and I was yeah. hoping that was going to happen today. I knew it pretty much wasn't because they had all you know the success and all that other stuff was that was their primary focus. But I was hoping that they might put in like a little upgrade um, for now. But it looks like I'll be waiting until twenty sixteen. There's never, now, there was so. never a and one more thing, <laughs> yeah. but that never happened. <laughs> yeah. So, so I guess uh, yes, Neil, you you had a Lightroom question for me. I, I, I don't I even do know what this question is. I just see Lightroom oh. question export. export yeah, question, I, I so. do because I'm as you know I'm kind of new to the whole cloud, the Lightroom CC, um, and I am also new to the Nikon D seven fifties, which is way more high resolution than the D three S of what I'm used to shooting. Now I'm kind of realizing that my export my export speed is very very slow um on my old on my old uh camera i used to i used to export a whole wedding within i don't know maybe three four maybe five hours mm -hmm. but now it's taking almost 24 hours Whoa. and that's just to export <laughs> yes and then um and then upload time to Smugbug and and things that I used on the internet and the cloud service, that's taking another 24 hours. So therefore, it's taking almost 48 hours to export and upload to the to the internet. Now, what I've read it around um, somewhere is that if you decrease the size of your files, maybe like to 80% out of Lightroom, your images will up, you know, you're not going to lose a lot of information. So therefore your upload speeds are going to be faster, which I've done. Um, but the export speed is still very, 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 very slow. Mm -hmm. Um, so what am I doing wrong? I, you know, I, this is how busy I am. I don't even have time to Google or YouTube any <laughs> of this. So Andy, give me an answer, please. <laughs> okay. Well, the best the best that I can tell you is uh, first of all, I think the first part of that is right. So like, um, the the file size, what the way the way I end up exporting is I end up exporting at four thousand pixels wide on on images mm -hmm. I deliver because like the D seven fifty is something over five thousand pix pixels per image, and realistically. Even if you're printing a huge twenty by thirty, four thousand pixels is good. You know what I mean? Like that. Like right. that. That's that's you know these cameras couldn't even do four thousand you know years ago. <laughs> so it's like that's that's good. You know. Um, so I end up exporting about that, and that can help definitely with like the uploads. But as far as the actual export goes, here's the one thing that actually really kind of upsets me about Lightroom still, even on the most recent version. Are you about to deliver bad news to me as to where this can't be a little bit more faster? Unfortunately, I think that that, <laughs> that literally might be the answer is that it's literally you're just probably impacted by the speed of your computer. Um, there might be something okay. going on with like how much RAM do you have in the in your computer? Is it? I don't know. I'd, I'd have to look all that up. I think I have the same MacBook Pro as you do. Okay, so if you have, but, but you, yeah, RAM, but you know, you actually, yeah, you actually upgraded yours as to where I yes. didn't. Yeah, I've got I upgraded okay, so to like that, sixteen. That could be it. Then. But like it, okay. that could be it because I think you might just be experiencing more of the problem now because the file sizes are bigger and 
as it's um, you know d- you know downsizing the image. Even you know I think it actually exports faster if you export at the original size because yeah because there was the original, kind of working... yeah if you export at the original yeah. size it doesn't have to do the math on you know down downsizing the image so you might actually yes. have better luck exporting at the original size. Well, um, not really because it, up, it yeah, yeah, yeah it uploaded to the the uh, internet much much faster. So therefore, I did lose a little bit of time, but the export speed was just just very very slow. Mm-hmm. Uh, if any of our listeners too, by the way, have any thoughts Hopefully, on this, yeah. please do uh, kind of fill us in because um, here's the one thing I know about Lightroom um, that really is kind of upsetting. Uh, when you export. I don't know if if, our, if you've noticed this, any of our photographers that are listening, but when you export, say, 40 images, and those 40 images take 10 minutes, for example, you would then think that exporting 80 images would take 20 minutes, right? But it doesn't. It actually takes longer for some reason. And I don't <laughs> know. And here, and here's how I f- found this out. I f- like It was actually a really bad situation a couple years ago where I had this... I shot this Indian wedding... And I said, oh, you know, my, the wedding photos will be done by such and such a date. And the parents of the bride and groom were going to come pick up these photos at my studio. And I, I, for some reason, I thought that I exported this wedding, but I did not export this wedding. And this, these people were coming literally in like four hours or something like that. And I'm thinking, okay. And it was an Indian wedding, so there's traditionally like way more images. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like something mm-hmm. stupid. It was like 1,500 images or something like that. But the point is, is that what I found out, I started Googling around. I was like, because I didn't think it was going to make it. I was like, there's no way that I'm going to have this wedding exported by the time that they get here and put on this USB drive for them. So, yeah. so I started Googling around for like ways to export out of Lightroom faster. And it turns out there totally is a way to export images out of Lightroom faster. You know what you do? You export like... 40 or 50 images at a time and you have multiple exports going at the same time i'm going to say that again because it's crazy you can make lightroom export faster if you export smaller groups of images at the same time because lightroom will literally use multiple processors right if your our computers have multiple processors and the compute Lightroom doesn't use the multiple processors on our export. Still to this day, still that these versions of, of of that we're using right now, as far as I understand, if I'm wrong on that and somebody's listening, please do correct me. But this was true as at least as last as, as early as last year, where it, um, when you export multiple thing, you know, like like twenty, forty, fifty images at a time, and you have multiple exports going on at the same time, then it works. So what I did was out of those fifteen hundred images or whatever, I took group one to a hundred, exported those as a separate export, and then one hundred to two hundred exported those, two hundred to three hundred, and absolutely this thing exported way faster than it would have otherwise, to the point that I actually got it done by the time that they got there. It absolutely would not have. If I just let that 1500 image export go, it wouldn't have just based on the time, based on the right. where it was at. So it's totally true. Matter of fact, I will link to this in the show notes as well, just talking about the, this aspect of exporting from Lightroom. So the thing that upsets me about this is if, it, if, if it's possible 
to export images faster out of Lightroom using this method and using multiple processors at the same time. Why isn't it that Adobe has built this into the software so that when you export something that's like 1,000, 1,500 images, that it's not using the multiple cores of your system to then export that that event or wedding faster? It makes no sense to me why this isn't an option. I, I'm not just making this up. I swear to God. I will link to this in the show notes and, I've, and listeners check it out because this is, this is – um, what was going on uh, with this? Uh, you know, when, when I had to, when I figured this out like a year ago, and I, as far as I understand, it's still true. It doesn't seem to be doing anything differently than than when that was true about a year ago. So I will link to that in but, the show notes. Um, but now, if you to do that, you have to babysit. You pretty much have to babysit your computer and just mm, watch watch paint dry. Watch that thing. Not necessarily. Uh, because you can set that up ahead of time. So, like for in your case, for example, yes, you could export faster if you exported, say, group images one through one hundred to a folder, and then started numbering at one hundred one for the next hundred images, right? One hundred one to two hundred, and then started added a separate oh, export from two hundred one okay. to three hundred, and then a separate export from three hundred one to four hundred. For example, if you have those right. four exports going of 400 images that will go faster than if you go 400 images all at once. Crazy. Mm. I know. And it's simply mm. because they haven't built the, it into the software to use all the cores of the computer. Ridiculous. Um, so I will uh, link to that in the show notes just to show that I am not making this up. This is actually true. Um, and so that's probably the only way that I would know of how to export faster because other than that, it's literally just, you're just locked down to the speed of your computer and but maybe because the images are a, f- a higher file size, maybe yeah. the RAM issue is coming into play now because uh, there's less room and wiggle room essentially for the computer to work with an immediate memory. So, no, um, no, okay, yeah, I'm glad I asked that question because a lot of our listeners might have the same issue. Now, another question for you: Have you ever experienced slower times if you export straight to an external hard drive, or would it be quicker if you go right to your computer's hard drive? Uh, that really depends on the speed of your internal hard drive versus the speed of your external external hard drive and what connection you're using for the external hard drive. It really just depends. So, so if you have okay. a if you have a 7200 RPM drive in your computer, or if you have a, a flash uh, hard drive in your computer, uh, then that should be your fastest option. But if it's a slower computer, I think we might have 5400 RPM drives in our MacBooks. I, I don't I don't mm-hmm. recall exactly. Uh, then it might be faster if you have if you're using like a lightning bolt connector or a firewire connector connection it might be faster to export to the external drive but it depends on the speed of the drive and the speed of the connection uh, and, and it's kind of specific to the situation but it's entirely possible that yeah um, you could be experiencing slower exports to an external drive if you're using like a USB connection on the drive for yeah. example that yeah. could that could be it if you, now if you go to firewire maybe you'll you'll have less of that um, issue. Uh, but it, okay. it's kind of a combination of everything, you know, like the speed of it as a combination of the processing power, the, um, how much Ram you have. Um, if uh, the GPU now comes into play because the most recent version of uh, Adobe, uh, now, uh, the, the graphics processing unit can actually help take some of the bulk away. So at least they've done that. You know, when I was mentioning the multiple core issue and exporting faster, I think the GPU issue um, I mean, using the GPO will help help that, but not. Uh, but I have read uh, reports essentially that say using the GPU on older computers actually makes it go slower. So I've actually turned that GPU option off on my 2011 MacBook Pro. So 
Um, that's as much as I know. We're, that's pretty uh, nerdy technical stuff for, for for us for the most part. Here, but <laughs> I don't know if that. Hopefully, that can be possibly helpful to some of our listeners. And um, uh, I guess uh, I guess that's uh, that's that's the best I can answer that. I hope that okay. so, helpful right. in some oh, kind great. of way. Um, yeah. Thank you. <clears throat> uh, so at least it's not just me then. Oh yeah, no, no. It's I think everybody, you know, if if our computers exported faster, I think our jobs would be would be much much faster. Matter of fact, and that's the other thing too, and that's why I'm so eager to upgrade to this to the to the new MacBook Pro that I was hoping they announced today is because you know I've always thought it's you know it's it's worth upgrading regularly, um, and I can't believe I've held off this long because. If the more you upgrade, the faster your edits are going to go when you're waiting for your computer to do something, you know. So it's mm-hmm. like that's time. Money is time in our in our lives in our business. Um, so I just uh, I was hoping that that was going to happen today, but now I really just won't do it you know, <laughs> until that next version comes out because I'm you know. Uh, so I'll be waiting until 2016 now, but it's always worth the money, I think, for the most part, because we're, you know, you end up uh, saving time. You know, think about the amount of time that you time can money. save that you can do other things. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah. So anyway, uh, <laughs> I think that's going to wrap <laughs> things up for for this episode. Uh, uh, please do remember that uh, you can send in questions to info at weddingphotographersunite.com. We'd rather talk uh, with you rather than at you. And please do leave reviews and iTunes subscribe there. That helps other people find the show. And one more thing too. uh, You can also go to our website at weddingphotographersunite.com. And as you're looking at the particular episode, uh, there's a discuss form underneath. And actually we got uh, somebody wrote in our last episode there and basically, yeah. Um, I'm just, I can take a look at it really quick here. Uh, he basically just uh, came in and said that he had another similar story from, uh, you know, when we had the last episode just talking about the the officiant that was a no-show. He had a similar story. So oh, okay. you can go check out Ed's comment there on, on episode 18. But, uh, yeah, the, I just want to remind people that, too, because I don't really talk about that very much in the show. But we also have a comment system on the website that you should check out. And we'll we'll see those come through and, and uh, respond to those as well. So, uh, thank you so much for listening. Neil, where can people follow you? Just Google me, N-E-A-L-U-R-B-N. Oh, and actually, you know what? Someone did tweet us, uh, which which was um, – I saw a notification on my tweet app, which I haven't opened in like two years, <laughs> uh, which I was kind of surprised to see that little notification. So I thank you. Um, and I did respond to it. So, yes, um, I'm – Twitter has changed a lot since the last time I used it <laughs> over the years. Yep. So, uh, so yeah, tweet, tweet, yeah, tweet me I won't, some more. I won't, I won't tweet um, I like unless it. you tweet at me, but if you tweet at me, I'll tweet back, man. I will. Yes. So, so get, us, get yeah. us involved in that, please. Um, right. I want to see more notifications on my little uh, Twitter app. So yeah. <laughs> and, uh, so that was, that was a nice little surprise. So yeah. Absolutely. You can follow me um, by just by Googling my name at uh, Andy. Buscemi, B-U-S-C-E-M-I. You can find all my good stuff there. And uh, don't forget that Neil's got some books that you should check out. Google his name and Amazon. Yes, and you'll find you. a couple books by Neil there. Um, uh, other than that, uh, thank you so much for everybody for listening in. And we will see you next time for episode 20 of Wedding Photographers. Episode United. 20. Yes. Thanks yes. a lot. Thank Looking you so- forward to that one. Absolutely. Okay. Too, thanks, thanks everybody. Have a good one. Take care. Bye. Wedding Photographers. Invite. Thank you.